0: Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of culture, current events and politics through a biblical lens with your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh and John Rush. Now let's join the conversation.
1: We are happy to be with you folks again for another week of National Crawford Roundtable with uh, John Rush, Roger Marsh, Neil Boron, myself, Bob Duco. Uh, Gentlemen, great catching up with you as always. How are you today? Morning, Bob. Doing Doing well, Bob. How are you doing? Good morning oh good always uh, always uh, good getting together with you and everybody enjoying their lockdown I assume which is which is good the coronavirus continues of course uh, in this country and we've been talking about a lot of different aspects of coronavirus the lockdown orders the economic aspect of this how President Trump is handling this I mean there are many different aspects of coronavirus that we've been discussing but of course uh, first and foremost We are christians we are brothers in christ our hope and our faith and our trust is in jesus christ above all things and so in this week's podcast we're going to focus on coronavirus specifically from a spiritual perspective from a biblical perspective and understanding as christians how do we process everything going on with coronavirus And so we want to address this from a spiritual perspective this week. And to kind of kick this off, one of the things, and gentlemen, I want to throw this around the table as well. One of the things, one of my observations has been that, yes, we see a lot more people buying Bibles than they used to. Okay, well, that's a good thing. We see the polls showing more people are praying than they used to. Okay, that's a good thing. But I also notice there is a lot of fear that people are gripped by, including inside the church. And I know this sounds a little bit harsh, but one of my thoughts, one of my observations has been that this is kind of gut-check time for a lot of Christians, or a lot of people that profess to be Christians, to find out, do you really, truly see yourself As a living sacrifice to God? Do you really see your life as not your own but belonging to God and that it's about Him and His glory? Do we really truly put our hope and our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ? Or do we really put our hope and our faith and our trust in? The government, in Western society, in our creature comforts, in our own safety, and our own health, and our own happiness, and having life go as easily as possible. Is that really what our hope is in, and we just kind of take Jesus along for the ride? Or uh, do we really truly put our hope in Him? Because if it's in Him, then we can have calm and peace in the midst of the storm. And so it does seem like it's kind of a a gut check for many of us as Christians to find out how committed we really are to following Jesus Christ and where we place our hope. And Neil, if I could start with you, Neil Boron, of course, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. Uh, Some of your immediate thoughts, Neil, on the, the paralyzed fear that a lot of people, including many Christians, have allowed themselves to get sucked into during this.
2: Well, I I see the same thing that you're describing, and I've seen a little bit of it in myself. I mean, um, we're human, and we approach everything imperfectly. One day, obviously, we're going to be perfected and look just exactly like Jesus. In the meantime, we're in process. But I agree with the gut check idea, because I do think that this is a time of sifting in one sense. It's a time of refinement really, honestly, every moment for a believer is, is, you know, wrapped up in refinement because we're we're being conformed to the image of Christ. And that's a process that God started when we came to Him, and He promised to complete it on the day that we stand before Jesus. So um, I think we're learning as we go. And I I am also equally concerned with, you know, the excessive amount of fear I see in some places, not in every. uh, I think there's a a lot of really good things coming out of this, too, and I'm sure we'll talk about some of those, some real opportunities for growth, maturity, you know, that kind of thing. But I'm pretty troubled by some of what I see, and at least for now, we don't have to go into it here, but, you know, the idea that, you know, some people looking for hope have gravitated to, you know, these alternative podcast sites, survivalist sites and stuff, where people are providing so-called, you know, that the real facts as though nothing we get out of you know the CDC or National Institutes of Health is ever accurate that everyone who speaks is really actually working for the enemy and it's this um, sort of over emphasis on paying attention to what's in the news and, and trying to stand up against um, the natural flow of things on planet Earth in a broken and fallen world I mean sickness is a part of our experience disease death it's all part of the human experience so I um I don't know. I'm concerned about that, and I do think that fear is rampant in this world. I think we have an opportunity as believers to exemplify peace because we understand who the Prince of Peace is. His name is Jesus, and by God's grace, we can learn to demonstrate that because we're experience it, experiencing it ourselves. And that would be my hope as as an individual believer. And I hope we're portraying that collectively. But I think we've got some work to do.
1: Yeah, Roger, what's what's your take on the? The fear factor and the the level of panic and fear that a lot of people are getting sucked into, and I hate to say it, including many Christians.
3: Yeah, well, and and we can even add to that uh, category of many professing Christians because I think this yeah. has been a gut punch. It's been a it's been a shakedown, and and we would be uh, remiss if we didn't mention the fact that there are a lot of people who darken the doorway of churches every week, sometimes two and three times a week, who are mm-hmm. there for what they can get out of it. As opposed to you know what what God is doing in and through His Son Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit, I I, I remember hearing a sermon from uh, well an online sermon from Chip Ingram of uh, Living on the Edge Ministries. I'm not sure if our all of our stations carry that ministry or not, but he's been pretty big in the Bay Area. And Chip mm-hmm. uh, gave a two part sermon. Uh, just said, look, there's there's two things we're going to look at here. The first is where is your focus, and the second is where is your future. And whenever something like this happens, it brings us all of us, you know. Young, old, male, female, doesn't matter Christian, unbeliever alike It brings that right to the center of the, the conversation You know, where where is your focus right now For us as Christians Is it on faith or is it on fear And then what does your future hold and uh, no one likes to be reminded of that but at the same time i think that it for the true believer you know we're we're going to see something like this and say yeah it is kind of weird to see the virus spreading seeing it impacting you know compromising the health of people even you know represented here in this discussion and realize that is a reality i mean that's that's happening but at the same time when you look at the the faith part of the the equation here i think god's doing something wonderful and miraculous through all of this you know it's romans eight twenty eight playing out right in front of our very eyes you know i mean this is what what anybody might have meant for evil god is using for good you know in terms of refining the saints strengthening us if, if for those of us who <laughs> have had gym memberships before and maybe we don't always use them you know the right. essence of building strong muscles in the gym is you go to the gym and what's the first thing you do you break down the muscles you know you, you start ripping and tearing and pushing the weights and doing whatever and you walk out of there feeling really beat up and worked over but the process of making the muscles stronger begins with breaking them down first and growing them back stronger so i think we're we're spending a lot of time in the spiritual gym right now and uh, and, and i my heart goes out to anybody and you guys have spoken to them i have too people who have professed faith in christ for a good portion of their lives who are then coming to you and saying you know what this thing is freaking me out i mean it's scaring the daylights out of me because i don't want to lose my job and i don't want to lose my family and you know those are real fears so Mm -hmm. i think we have to acknowledge them but on a spiritual side this is a really great time to be alive i'm i'm very encouraged by that
1: Hmm. Uh, john what's your take on the fear factor
4: uh overstated i want to say i mean i don't want to make it sound like you know we should downplay anything and that there's not some real concerns to roger's point a moment ago when people have you know the the possibility of loss of job and not knowing how they're going to feed their family and you know make the mortgage payment and all those sorts of things yeah there's definitely some fear there on the same token uh you know i do think that right now we're in a in a phase where and maybe I'm maybe I'm just being very hopeful here. Maybe I'm you know maybe I'm that guy. But I think as soon as things start getting open back up, it's going to change you know dramatically. I think things are going to get back on track rather quickly. Uh, doesn't mean that people shouldn't be fearful of where we're going and where we're headed. And there are going to be some things, guys, that look a little different than they do currently. I do hate the term "new normal" because you know what, normal is just normal. I hate mm-hmm. that term where we always say, "Well, we're going to enter into this new normal." Well. No, it's just called life, guys. And we do life on a daily basis, anyways. And yes, our faith has to be of the utmost importance. But, you know, as I look back through history, and I did a bunch of reading on this, you know, even yesterday. Guys, as a country, we are still so soft. And even what we're going through right now is minuscule compared to some of the things that even our country has been through. Nonetheless, other Christians in other generations in, you know, millennials past have that's been right. through. You know, we are still so soft that what we're going through right now. If some of those folks from old were here today, they'd say, "Yeah, well, watch this."
1: Hmm. Well, I think that's a really important point that you that you bring up, and let's dive into that a little bit. I mean, Roger, to the point that John's making here, we really are as Christians in America. We have been so pampered compared to what believers have had to walk through for the last six thousand years really and and what believers are having to walk through today i I mean my goodness in in places like north korea they're being tortured and killed in places like china they have to whisper behind closed doors in the underground church in places like the middle east and and south sudan i mean so there's a lot of places around the world where christians are experiencing incredible persecution daily, and here we look at something like coronavirus, okay, one of many things that can kill us, and suddenly we find ourselves in a fetal position under the desk because we're so paralyzed by fear uh that we can't even go out of the house we're like uh, bill murray and what about bob now so uh <laughs> isn't there kind of uh, not to sound harsh roger but isn't there that kind of sense of growing up that we need to do to realize hey guess what we're so used to living our life in a bunch of american cotton balls that uh this is the harsh reality of living in a fallen world you better put your hope and your faith in in God and not your own comfort here in this country.
3: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And, Bob, I think we're coming up on a break. I'd love to unpack this on the other side of that, uh, because there are some examples that have happened even just in the past couple of days that will help kind of right. bring us back into focus here uh, in terms well, of Well, you know Christian what, that, that, is a,
1: that is a really good point. And you know what, I, I, wanna, I want you to bring those up. And so let's do that, Roger. Let's take a short break, and then we'll pick it up from there in a couple of minutes as we continue through this National Crawford Roundtable.
5: Be transformed by the Word of God with Alistair Begg in Truth for Life. Every weekday, Alistair Bank teaches the Bible through in-depth, verse-by-verse attention to the Word of God. You can listen to Truth For Life on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or listen online at truthforlife.org. Please support this important ministry with your donations at the truthfullife.org website or by calling 888-588-7884 And be sure to let them know you heard about Truth For Life from the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Continuing
1: the National Crawford Roundtable with myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Roger Marsh, The Bottom Line out of Southern California, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. Uh, We're talking about coronavirus and a spiritual approach to this. Uh, How do we as Christians look at this through a biblical lens, through a Christian lens? And Roger, to the point that you started making right before the break, Uh, Some things that you've been seeing lately in the news and and as it relates to how, how pampered we really have been in Western society and especially here in America in contrast to the daily pain and suffering that Christians experience in other places around the world today, let alone over the course of the last several thousand years.
3: Yeah, one of the things that we've tried to do throughout this COVID-19 thing with the bottom line show is to obviously talk about what's happening, you know, be real as we can with the statistics as much as the information is good that we get, but also to bring up some of the good news stories that are coming out of, you know, these stories. And then also to offer kind of a prayers needed segment where we take a look at the world around us just as a very subtle reminder that, yes, this is a major inconvenience for a lot of people, and it could lead to loss of life, it could lead to loss of jobs, but just a couple days ago, earlier this week on the program, I was a story about a, a wedding party in Nigeria where the uh, one of the, the the guy who was getting married, the groom actually was a member of a local uh, a Christian council kind of a, a an elder if you will in his denomination he and his bride were getting married and toward the end literally as the pastor was you know solemnizing the whole ceremony, a group of Milani herdsmen, these radical Islamists stormed in, killed five people and kidnapped everybody else who couldn't get away And I thought, you the question is, okay, I remember getting married about four months ago, and we didn't have to worry about Fulani Herdsman storming our chapel and kidnapping people and taking them away. None of us do. So the fact that we in the United States have this, you know— Feeling that we're somehow being persecuted into some kind of judgment, or you know whatever it is, and we're living in this kind of fear. Uh, To be perfectly frank, we have no idea what fear is like. I mean, when you get right down to it, I mean, there's uncertainty, and there's the fact that here in the states, I mean, a lot of people are losing their stuff simply because there's no vaccine for coronavirus. Well, okay, if that, and once we have a vaccine, then it will be cured, and we can go about our, you know meaningful other th- things that we do during the course of the week. I mean, that that's just one of many examples, and it's one that I try to keep in perspective in terms of what we're going through. Yes, what people are experiencing is real, and they may have some you know fear that is very, very real to them, but in the grander scheme of things, this is a refining process, and none of us right now anyway runs the risk of being beheaded for professing our faith in Christ.
1: You know, I- I'm curious, Neil, I- I'd love to get your Your take on this and what Roger was saying here is it uh here's what I'm curious about is it fair for us to judge ourselves and the fear that people have here in America against the other places in the world where Christians have it so much worse than we do Is that is that fair or is that unfair? Because here in America, this is the only life that we know, and so yes, we have been pampered compared to the rest of the world. But if we use the rest of the world as our point of reference, then we're always going to be considered way too wimpy here in this country. Should we look? I tend to agree with what Roger's saying that that we do need to grow up. But then there's part of me that thinks, am I being uncharitable? because the bottom line is this is the culture that we live in this is the society that we're adjusted to and so we're not accustomed to that kind of harshness we don't have the calluses that we've been able to build up that other people do around the world and so therefore shouldn't our point of reference be the persecution we experience here and not the persecution other people experience in lives removed from ours
2: yeah probably but You know, I think it was John that first brought it up earlier. Uh, We are soft. And I think to only look at our own experience means that we have a very limited view of what is going on around the world. I think having an understanding of the kind of persecution and torture in some cases and and, uh, martyrdom that people are facing is healthy for us. And honestly probably important for us to look at because there may come a day when we experience some of that here. And I, I can tell you, I mean, I've been a Christian since 1974. I was born in 1960. I've grown up in the church so all of my life. I've heard about, you know, the the end times and the potential for, you know, some kind of uh, persecution, particularly as we get closer to the day that we see Jesus, whether you're pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, whatever you are. Um, you know, the idea that things could get difficult here, and I remember in my heart of hearts just sort of quietly resisting that. I mean, I, I'm just telling the truth. The idea like, oh, man, I don't want to go through that. I sure hope. I believe in a pre-trib rapture, man, because I want to get out of here. <laughs> I don't want to have to face any of this stuff. Um, it, we're not we're not hardened, you know, and, and used to some of the stuff that people have had to face in other places. I mean, the earliest believers were in danger of death, Uh, for simply proclaiming that they were followers of Jesus and um, their lives were in danger so on the one hand I guess we could say we've really been blessed on the other hand maybe and I'm not trying to over spiritualize maybe we've been robbed of some of the depth of relationship what it means to truly be dependent on Christ for our very lives in order to follow him and All I know is that the greatest spiritual experiences I've ever had in my life and all the thousands of testimonies I've heard over the years working at Christian Radio all had to do with what people learned in the valleys of life, not on mountaintops. And for the most part, you know, the church in the West, in North America, has experienced a mountaintop kind of Christian experience. We have multi-million dollar buildings and cafes and coffee bars and, you know, multimedia slideshows and rock concerts for worship, and I'm, I'm not picking on any of that. I I meet Jesus in that kind of a place every Sunday when I go to worship, so I'm not mm-hmm. highlighting it. I'm just saying it's a very different experience from what others around the world have had to face, and I think we've been robbed of some of the the richness of what a faith like that would look like. Now, I'm not signing up for it, but I also think we need to be prudent and say that day could come in America, and if it does then I pray that we're ready for it, because right now I think most of us are like me as a teenager, just resisting the concept because we like life the way it is. We want it to go back to the way that it was, and um, I don't think we really want any part of that.
0: You
1: know, I think about, uh, John, I think about what you were saying earlier about the, the, the good that God can do in this and how it strengthens us, us and, you know, going to the gym and working out and the no pain, no gain uh, type of thing. I think of James 1, uh, starting in verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because, you know, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance mm-hmm. finish this work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything and then of course it goes on in verse 12 to say blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test that person will receive the crown of life that the lord has promised to those who love him and you know it almost seems like if i can use john a strange analogy here everybody is so purell focused it's like i have to uh, you know i have to put the hand sanitizer on and i have to and there's there's part of me that thinks you know I don't really like using that stuff in a general sense because it weakens my immune system i want my body to be toughened up to be able to handle right. the right. viruses that, that come in it and to a certain extent spiritually it seems like we do this as well we wrap our lives in bubble wrap so that we can as best as possible be insulated from any kind of pain in the world and then when something like this thrusts itself upon us uh, our immune our spiritual immune system is so weakened that we can't even handle it. And it does seem to me that this is maybe something that's good and necessary for the body of Christ to be facing right now. Let's face some trials. Let's develop that sense of perseverance. Let's develop a sense of of priority and focus and where we put our hope and our faith, and maybe, just maybe, this is the, the kick in our rear ends that we need to grow and mature a little bit.
4: No, I fully agree. And I know we need to take a break here in a moment as well. But before we do that, and I'll hand it off to to Neil here in a second. But before we do that, you know, Bob, everything you just said, very true. And it's applicable in all parts of life. I had a conversation this last week, even in regards to, you know, for example, businesses that are going to start shutting down. And there will be, and there'll be some casualties of what's going on right now. And those, I think, are some of the fears that a lot of folks have. But with any you know, I've been a business owner since I was 22. I've watched these things come and go. I've watched the cycle of some of these things happen. And again, not trying to downplay these guys. I would never do that. I would never say that, you know, these things that that people are worried about in their lives are not important things for them to be concerned over. I hate the word worry, because we're not to worry, you know, concern. Okay, Mm -hmm. I get that. But the reality is, yes, there can be a learning experience and there should be, A learning experience through this whether it be guys on the the medical side for some folks whether it be on the financial side for others whether it be you know where even people live and their family members and we've now got people that are spread all across the country which maybe isn't the best idea anymore given some of the circumstances we're in now maybe having family close by isn't such a bad thing i mean there's a lot of things i think folks will think through and if we use those things correctly and with god's guidance of course you know, we can use these things, grow from these, and come out stronger on the other side.
1: Yeah, Neil. I mean, I yeah. think that's a great point that uh, that John's making.
2: Oh, uh, he is making a strong point, and uh, it's in keeping, I think, with you know the question you brought up and and the general sense that we have that there's more to Christianity perhaps than what any one of us have ever experienced. I mean, none of us can really say we've truly arrived, right? So, God has mm-hmm. things He wants to reveal to us, and I think that should be the prayer of all of our hearts, Lord. Whatever is going on in the world right now, our belief is that you want to transform us into the image of Christ, and so allow our spiritual eyes and ears to be open to the reality that that you're desiring to bring about change in us, and show us what that looks like, because we need to be prepared for what comes next. And I'm not saying what comes next is worse; maybe it is, and it probably will be. But whatever it is, uh, we know that God is wanting us to be ready for it and be prepared, so we can be those who would help build his kingdom and not cower in fear. Uh, We haven't heard from Roger on that, though, but we'll take a break here and be back with more in just a moment. You're listening to the National Crawford Roundtable.
5: Learn how to walk the narrow path with Steve Gregg. With over 40 years of studying the Bible, Steve Gregg is passionate about teaching you how to apply scriptural wisdom to every aspect of your life. Listen to The Narrow Path on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or online at thenarrowpath.com. The Narrow Path is 100% listener-supported. Please keep this vital ministry going with your generous financial support and let them know you heard about The Narrow Path on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast.
2: Thanks for joining us for the National Crawford Roundtable, our podcast today, uh, taking a look at some of the spiritual aspects, the questions, the implications of what this coronavirus thing is doing, what it's causing us to think about, how God may be at work in his church, what he's trying to say to us. Um, And I know we had to take a break there, but uh, Roger, let me... Throw it to you, um, just because I know Bob raised the question. John and I have responded, but I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the same subject.
3: Well, I think the uh, you know the the there's a lot for us to to learn. I mean, there's there's no question about it. Moving forward, I mean, there's a there's a lot of uh, information that's out there, and I think one of the biggest challenges that I face, and I don't know how it is for you guys too, but you know, we do a lot of prep work for our show, so we read a lot. And we watch a lot of video, and we listen to a lot of podcasts. We do everything we possibly can to keep it all straight. And sometimes it feels like the analogy I was using with a friend the other day, a pastor friend of mine. um, You know, because when do we reopen the churches? When do we not? You know, how do we deal with the fear factor of people in different seasons? I said, I feel like we're riding in a car that's still being built, and we're driving on road that hasn't been laid yet. And so, since we're doing that, that 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 in and of itself is really you know somewhat unnerving. But I realized that in the chorus i keep hearing in my head over and over again is god saying trust me follow me trust me follow me and it, it is not an easy thing to do i mean and i have had to you know confess that sin many times realizing that there's a routine there are certain things that we like to do in a certain way good godly things and maybe not so good godly things but um I, I like what john said and i really resonate with it too we're never going back to normal uh, there is no normal there was common there was our, our shared experience. There was the way we understand the world. But there's a whole new paradigm here. And so it's daunting, and it's also exciting, I mean, in a good way. Uh, not not to be anxious for anything. Scripture says we shouldn't be anxious for anything, but through prayer and supplication. So that's where we're doing lots of praying and supplicating isn't, these days, isn't it not? A true hmm. assessment of how things are going for us. Yeah,
1: very true. Well, bottom line, this is uh if i can steal roger your term the bottom line uh this is something that we as as christians we have an opportunity to grow we have an opportunity to mature we have an opportunity to examine uh where we place our priorities and where we place our hope and i I don't know about you guys but whenever whenever my life gets upended. Whenever uh, things happen that are painful, trials, tragedies, James uh, one things we were talking about before, uh, my grip on the things of this world just gets weaker. I mean it really does. That that sense of we know where to store up treasures in heaven and not here on earth, but you know, emotionally we do tend to store up treasures here on earth and then we have to war against that. But every time Every time something in my life gets shattered or destroyed, we've all walked through pain and suffering, but every time something like that happens, it, it helps me. I do feel like I end up stronger afterward, even though it's painful during the time. You know, you're lifting weights, you're working out, oh, you know, the pain, the pain. Uh, but the, the gain on the back side of it, you do feel stronger. And there is that sense of, yes, the pain and the uncertainty and the fear and that kind of stuff to walking through uh, is difficult. But on the back side of it, I feel like, you know what? I, I'm more heavenly-minded than I was before. I'm less earthly-minded than I was before. And I feel good about that. And I think that this is something all of us as believers need to look at opportunities like this to, to say, how can I grow in this? How can I strengthen my walk with the Lord? And above all, how can God be glorified in this and not merely me be comforted as much as possible so we're going to continue this discussion on the this spiritual approach the biblical approach and as christians how we handle all things coronavirus in the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable Podcast if you'd like to listen to the second half you can do this online you can go to Apple Podcasts a Stitcher tune in. you can go to Crawford.live and we'd love to have you listen to the second half also uh, we would encourage you to rate the podcast give us a big fat five star review we will gladly take it and we will continue the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable Podcast
0: this has been a Crawford Broadcasting Production
1: Here in the second half of the national crawford roundtable podcast with neil boron neil boron live out of buffalo new york roger marsh the bottom line out of southern california john rush rush to reason out of denver colorado myself bob duco bob duco show out of detroit we're talking about all things coronavirus right now it is still the elephant in the room and a spiritual approach to this how we look at this going forward and uh, in addressing this, uh, Neil and Roger and, and John, and we heard from Roger just a little bit ago, but uh, Neil, let me ask you, uh, how do you see, what What are some other ways that maybe we can see God glorified in the middle of this? Because I don't just want it to be, what can we get out of it? You know, how can God turn this lemon into lemonade for us? It's like, how can God be exalted? How can God be glorified in the midst of all of this. Any ideas or
2: suggestions? Well, sure. I mean, on a, in a very practical way, I think it's exhibiting faithfulness on a daily basis, choosing to trust Him rather than wallow in fear or tower in a corner somewhere. It's going about the business of what He's called us to do, whether that's working on the radio, but also how we love and serve other people, you know, including family members and those in our community, and our neighborhood. Uh, I think that the Lord is being glorified through the many creative ways that churches have found to continue to operate during this time uh, utilizing technology and other things uh, the creative ways that people have found to be able to serve one another with food uh, through food pantries and the various kinds of outreach uh, a greater heart for reaching out to the poor and, and, and uh, shut-ins and those that are you know, struggling with sickness in some way so I mean I like I, I really think that we're having to rethink what used to come natural to us and easy to us, and that was to pretty much just show up at church on Sunday morning and maybe to a Bible right. study or something during the week, but having to rethink all that. But um, I, I, I have a much bigger question burning in my soul, and I'll maybe leave it for later, but it, it just has to do with our overall approach to the idea um, that, you know, that the things of God are coming to fruition, you know, like that we're seeing history being revealed the way. God said it would, and I'm not trying to make rash predictions or anything, but I mean, there's going to come a day when we see Jesus, and I think God is being glorified in the fact that many in the body of Christ are uh, excited about that reality. You know, Maranatha, Lord, come quickly, that, that there's a, a, a joy and an expectation on the part of true, true believers that that we're going to see Jesus, and maybe even in our lifetime. I mean, I'm not making predictions here. It could be 50 or 100 years from now. It could be 1,000 years, but it also might be a couple of weeks from now, and that should excite our spirit ultimately so maybe we can talk about that down the road but i do i do see uh, a sense of expect heightened expectation and a passion to share the gospel with people who don't know the lord i I think it was roger mentioned earlier just because somebody calls himself a christian by the way doesn't mean they're a true believer even those Mm -hmm. who attend churches may not truly know the lord and i think that needs to be our focus because you know we were we were given the the task of making disciples and preaching the good news and i think we need to stick to the task Great.
3: Yeah, point.
1: Roger. Roger Marsh.
3: Sorry about that. My mute switch didn't come off.
1: <laughs> oh, I hate when it um, happens. The, I hate when it yeah, happens. yeah.
3: Well, you know, home studios, you're trying to make sure that the truck going down the road doesn't, you know, get in the way of the broadcast. Um, you know, it's interesting <laughs> this this whole thing of how is, is God being glorified through this? And you know, I, I I can't help but think about John 15, that whole chapter about Jesus saying, you know, I'm the true vine. My father's the gardener and what does he do he cuts off every branch that doesn't bear fruit and he cuts back the ones that do and it took me a long time to figure out i thought well if it's bearing fruit why would you cut it back and spending many afternoons in my grandmother's backyard where she had uh, avocado trees and orange trees and things like that you know if the branch grows too heavy and it's got too much fruit on it you have to cut it back because otherwise it'll just sit there and the fruit goes bad but the idea that jesus uses this this image you know him being the vine and us being the branches and then you know moving up to verse 10 where he says look i mean if you keep my commands you remain in my love just as i've kept the father's commands and so now's the time for us you know to, to kind of gut check it and let god be glorified in everything that we're doing and let god be glorified in our questions and our doubts and in our in our joys and in our sorrows and and let him really be reflected through our lives because oftentimes i mean let's let's be real i, I spent some time uh earlier this week we were planning for a national day of prayer service and there were a group of pastors from churches in the area not not mega churches by any stretch of the imagination we're all relatively small but it was fascinating to watch how these guys were trying to maneuver you know what do we do next and what's happening here and one pastor in particular was really really hung up on numbers who's coming to the church and who's still here and how do i grow my congregation and i didn't get the sense that he was interested in making disciples so much as he was interested in making sure the numbers stayed up, the offering stayed up, and the church kept going that way. And I thought, well, this is really instructive. I mean, <laughs> for, for me, I mean, hmm. not to condemn, and I don't know what's going on in their world, and, you know, that's the first time I met this guy, but it's a good reminder to Neil's point about how institutionalized Christianity has been in the American fabric for so many, many years and for all of our lifetimes. I mean, we, we were born into a country where it was God and country. People went to church, even if they weren't Christians because it was a good cultural thing. And now you've got George Barna's research out of Arizona Christian University saying that more people believe in a literal Satan than they do in the true God in America. Right. I mean, and that's just rank and file people. So the view of who God really is and his holiness is not a very common attribute. So... Maybe that kind of helps us get off of our uh our our, the dime so to speak and say hey wait a minute let's stop taking that for granted and be far more intentional and live like missionaries here in our own backyard because uh at the end of the day that is the great commission isn't it it's to go into all the world and now we don't have to go to sudan or russia or china to preach the gospel we need to go down the street we need to go to the supermarket we need to even in our own congregations i mean maybe that preaching to the choir thing is going to get a whole new lease on life because a lot of people in the proverbial choir have never really heard the true gospel and met jesus face to face
1: yeah no i think it's a great point point. and john to to roger's point this is an opportunity for us to Uh, be a powerful witness to an unbelieving world certainly it starts with even our own unbelieving family members and friends and and co-workers when we eventually get back to work Uh, this week is a national day of prayer week of course Mm -hmm. on top of that but i think about the witnessing opportunity that we have and unbelievers who would look to us and think wow in the middle of all of this look at the calm they have look at the peace they have look at the lack of fear that they have What do they have? I sure want some of what they have. Uh, It seems like we've got to be careful, John, not to blow this opportunity to let the light of Christ shine to an unbelieving world.
4: Well said. And and to that point, Bob, and you just sort of reminded me of something that, I mean, I take every feedback we get on air, you know, very personally. I've got thick skin, but I take things, you know, very personally. But one of the things lately that I've heard from folks and— this this is good feedback, and I enjoy this kind of feedback. Is hey, John, really appreciate what you're doing every day. You're the calm in this storm. You're the level-headed guy. You know, you you know, you're looking at this thing completely different than what he, what most other talk show hosts are. You know, I do my auto show on Saturdays, and we don't talk COVID at all, and we get people that chime in. It's like hey, it's great to just not hear any COVID for an entire, you know, three-hour mm-hmm. program, and, you know, we don't know how you do this and how you're making it through, and, you know, and that's where that opportunity comes out and to say, well, yes, because I've got a higher power that I serve, you know, the Lord's on my side, and, and I think if there's anything that, that, you know, I could share with folks that are listening even on the podcast is this, and I had a pastor friend of mine tell me this a long, long time ago, you know, church is great, and it's there for a purpose, and we need it, and I'm not bad-mouthing it at all. But if you have to have church to further your own spiritual journey, you've got other issues. You should be able to, especially mature Christians. I'm not talking about baby Christians, but mature Christians, guys, if you're relying on the church and that service weekly to meet your needs and you're not able to do that on your own, it's like the scripture says, you've never grown up and eaten meat. You're still drinking milk from your mother because you've never grown up to be able to feed yourself. And as Christians that are mature... We should be able to use this type of a time in our lives and in, in time of our country, and, and utilize it for the furthering of the gospel. To Roger Neal and Bob, your point as well. But you know what, guys? We can't do that if we're mature Christians constantly being fed by the pastor. We should be doing the feeding, not being fed.
1: Hmm. Roger, let me ask you about that, okay? Roger Marsh, Pastor Marsh, uh, <laughs> speak to speak to what he's saying there. This is—he's so right, and it's absolutely, absolutely true. We we do tend to look. To church, many of us as okay. What can I go there? What can I get out of this? You know, feed me or whatever. And and it's like, no, that's not the job we each have. We're not going to stand before the Lord and say, well, no, wait a minute here. I, that was my pastor's responsibility. It's like, no, this is between you and God. Each one of us have a responsibility to grow in our walk with the Lord and give our lives to Him and and. Show the world around us the peace and calm that only comes through Jesus Christ. That's a very powerful witness.
3: Yeah, it is, and I, I, I like what John said about the the idea of. The people having that mentality that, well, I have to go on Sunday morning and get plugged in and I get recharged my spiritual batteries and that gets me through another week. And then I get back to church maybe on Wednesday night and I recharge my spiritual batteries again, kind of like we're mobile phones or something like that. <laughs> and, and nothing could be further from the truth. Now, at the same time, when we do get together in corporate worship and scripture says, hey, we should be getting together, you know, let's not stop meeting together. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean we meet at a sanctuary with 300 people and an orchestra and a band and, you know, everything else. The, there are a lot of house church activities going on right now here in the States. And I was talking to Greg Harris, the president of Through the Bible, about this week or so ago. And he said, yeah, the, the, the TTB model that they're using in India and all over the world is kind of becoming adapted now here in the States as people are getting together and doing home churches, for lack of a better term. So that you've got that concept. But then you've also got the idea that when you do worship the Lord and you do get together in a, in a worship service, God does do these things for you. I mean, he, he ministers to us through the sacraments he ministers to us through the reading of his word and through teaching and so because of that relationship the idea that you would go and be fed and receive these gifts is actually accurate but is it the only source of your spiritual nourishment to john's point and i think neil's as well we we are blessed to be blessings as they say in the uh, in the bethel bible series and that's the the whole concept that we're looking at here i think is how many people are looking at the church Say, saying, okay, I can't do anything without the church telling me what to do, and I can only get it at the church, so if I can't go to church, I'm going to uh, get myself arrested because we got to open up the churches again because my spiritual life isn't going to work, and that nothing could be further from the truth as far as that goes. Hey, we're coming up on a break here, so let's take a break, and we'll continue in just a moment of talking about the spiritual ramifications of COVID-19 here on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast.
5: Dr. Michael Yusuf leads the way for people living in spiritual darkness to discover the light of Jesus Christ. This tremendous outreach begins with the proclamation of God's word through the uncompromising biblical teaching of Dr. Michael Yusuf. Leading the Way is here to equip and strengthen the church to stand strong and to advance the gospel in today's ever-changing world. Listen to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef at ltw.org slash listen, and be sure to mention you heard about their program on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast.
3: Welcome back to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, along with Neil Boron. Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York. Uh, the Bob Duco Show, and Bob Duco is with us from Detroit, of course. Uh, John Rush, Rush to Reason, out of Kelsey in Denver. I'm Roger Marsh, host of The Bottom Line Show, and the People's Republic of California. That's the first time we've referred to the People's Republic of California in this podcast. That's how spiritual Miliculous. we are today. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, and we still are and we're still dealing with a governor who's trying to weigh the opinion polls and figure out, you know, how to handle what and churches have been meeting like crazy trying to figure out when do we open and what phase are we in in the rollout. Um, I, it's been really refreshing, guys, to be perfectly honest with you, to have a conversation about the spiritual ramifications of this and not get political. But I think to everyone's point, and I'll kick it back to you, Bob, the idea that uh, those of us in the church who needed a real course correction in terms of what meeting in the church being a member of a church why those are all good and godly things to do but perhaps maybe we've placed so much importance on that that our spiritual lives suffer because we just figure well i'll find a church that's got dynamic preaching and a great youth group and a killer band and and everything's going to be great and that means my spiritual life is complete it's like well what is your spiritual life like if you don't have those things and god's showing us god's showing us right now hey can i I just jump
2: on that for a second and yeah i don't know maybe Maybe, Bob, you'd want to respond to what Roger just said. Because you've been the guy asking all the questions today, but I wonder what's stirring in your heart. Um, But, you know, um, when I served as a pastor, I was involved in pastoral ministry for eight years. And even prior to that, I was helping to organize the evangelism outreach at our church. And ultimately that led to me being added to the staff and then later becoming the senior pastor there. But, But, you know, I found out that, like... The rubber meets the road when you're actually doing the things of God, when you're actually opening your, your mouth and sharing the gospel with other people. Stuff happens. I mean, when you sit in somebody's living room and they say, hey, uh, you know, this weekend, uh, but you say, hey, what, you know, what's your greatest need? Can I pray for you? Well, we just got kicked out of our house, we, we can't pay the rent, We're not, we don't know where to live, and no one to help us move this weekend. Well, at that point, you can just pray for them, say, be warmed and filled and leave, or you have a decision to make, you know, do you get personally involved in their lives. And when you start sharing the Lord with people, ultimately you see lives transformed. not because we're so skilled at bringing people to faith in Christ, but because you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, and eventually lives are transformed, and you begin to see people who were enemies of God become children of God and get excited and, and move on in their own faith, and they're baptized, and they lead others to faith in Christ. And the whole process of what it means to be a Christian starts to unfold before your eyes, and it's exciting. Um, and I think it's in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul is talking about you know the fact that we're, we're Christ's ambassadors. We've been called into faith for him so that we can become ministers of reconciliation. And I guess what I'm saying here is that that I think the real true essence of what Christianity is, even in light of this COVID thing, and I think it's coming to light through it, is the idea that we've been asked to, to get out of the stands and get on the field and play in the game. And that far too much of Christianity has been sitting in the stands watching somebody perform, you know, a talented preacher or a gifted worship leader, and going to events and conferences and sort of listening from afar but not really entering in. And I guess what I'm saying is I think the greatest joys await us when we get out of the stands and start playing in the game. And, and I think that's also part of what God's trying to teach us right now. So I just okay. wanted to interject that before I exploded.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Look, you're absolutely right, and yeah, well that's that. That's a very important point. And Neil, my personal opinion, we talk about what's what's in our hearts and and what our passions are and so. One of the things that's really been troubling for me as a Christian, and something that I've kind of lamented with my audience uh, many times, lately especially, is that we have got to stop being such a narcissistic church that everything is centered around me, my comforts, my wants, my needs, my likes, my happiness, my security, and God, it's your job to take care of me and to make Mm -hmm. this life as positive as possible for me In this earth because it's really my life and about me and and we turn God into our servant and and I would say that man, that attitude manifests itself in the very thing Neil that you're talking about well we go to church why so we can go through the mechanisms we can feel good hey we can be recharged hey we can have somebody feed us hey we can have the pastor make me feel better hey I can have the emotional experience with the professional sounding band and I'm not saying any of that stuff is is wrong to have, but when that becomes the gasoline for our engine, when that becomes what fuels us, we become nothing more than a sponge who basically is trying to suck in whatever can strengthen us (laughs) and equip us emotionally, Uh, and that becomes our our Christianity, if you will, And, and this goes back to what I said earlier. It's like, will we grow up enough to realize God didn't create us? so that he could have a project to do, okay, trying to keep us happy. He created us to worship him, to glorify him, to spend eternity with him. Uh, And can't will we force ourselves to turn the way that we look at this and say, it's about him, it's about exalting him, my life belongs to him, it doesn't belong to me?
4: Well said. That is exactly right. And I just want to chime in real quick, guys, because I think the other thing that again, gets lost in a lot of what's going on right now is this, well, I'm only secure if I've got a good job, or I'm only secure if I've got that house, or I'm only secure if I'm driving that car. And, you know, the reality is none of that could be farther from the truth. We're only secure in him, the things that he gives us. and, And I think this is perspective. And you know, it's funny, I've seen you know rich people that are greedy and latch on to things, but honestly, guys, I've seen poor people do the exact same thing. So it's really not whether you have money or don't have money, it's a perspective on how you look at those things, and are you looking at them all as, God gave me all of this, what am I now doing with these tools, these things that he's given me? Let's face it, money is just a tool. Are we using those tools in a way to further the kingdom and glorify him at the same time, and, and if we are, and I'm not preaching some you know, prosperity gospel, but if we're doing those things correctly and we're using the tools that he gave us, I do believe he will give us more of those tools. On the same token, if you take those tools, just like the story of the talents, if you take those tools and bury them, do you think he's going to give you any more of them? Of course not. He's going to say, wait a minute, I'm going to give them to somebody else that I know will actually use these. And I think right now we're in one of those times where folks should look at that a little more closely and say, you know, what have I done along those lines up to this point? Have I been a greedy, stingy Christian, or have I been a very giving Christian? Am I taking what God gives me and using it to glorify Him, and or is this a lesson right now that I could be learning to make that shift in my own life?
1: Yeah, that's a very good point. And actually, Neil, to uh, to the point that John is making here, and I know we got to take a break here in another minute or so, but uh, it does seem like the points you were mentioning before about what we tend to do, this is a manifestation of us making it about ourselves instead of making it about God. And if we can turn this around and make it about him, then suddenly everything that we face in life, whether it's Paul in prison, okay, Paul in prison lost, let's face it, everything, but what is his thing? Okay, how can God use me in the midst of this? Uh, How can God use me even to strengthen the churches? Uh, When we're going through a tough time, Neil, how many of us take the time to say, rather than, Lord, why me? Why are you letting this happen to me? Why won't you fix this? How many of us will discipline ourselves to say, Lord, what would you have me to do in this time? How can you be glorified? How can you be exalted? How can and will you use me for your purposes in the middle of this? That doesn't come automatically. We don't automatically feel that way, Neil. It it does take uh, discipline and effort to go against the grain of our flesh to force ourselves to think that way.
2: Yeah, and there's a lot that I would love to say about that. Um, But I know that we do need to take a break. So I guess let's do that right here. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation on the National Crawford Roundtable.
5: Dr. James Dobson left a successful career in academia to preserve and promote the biblical family in America. The radio broadcasting ministry of Dr. Dobson spans over four decades, earning him 17 honorary doctorate degrees and an induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame today dr dobson continues to champion marriage and parenthood through family talk listen every weekday at drjamesdobson.org and be sure to reference the national crawford roundtable podcast when asked how you listen to family talk
2: you're listening to the national crawford Roundtable podcast my name is neil boron with us as well today is bob duco in detroit michigan john rush in denver colorado and roger marsh in southern california you were talking, uh, you know, about the like the me factor. Honestly, when I was listening to you guys here just a few minutes ago, uh, the thing that kept coming to me—it's trite and cliche as it sounds—is that there's no me in love God and love others. I mm-hmm. think, honestly, that our joy is made complete by uh, our obedience to Christ, our willingness to be ambassadors in His kingdom and fulfill His plan and purpose for our lives. But, but ultimately, the, the Christian experience is about doing just exactly what somebody mentioned earlier that Jesus said follow me like I'm Mm -hmm. in charge I'm captain of the mothership and and I have your best interest in mind and I'll use you in the process I'll work through you but it isn't about you it's about what I want to accomplish in your presence and you know to go back to something I said earlier and I don't know that it's the right time to bring it up because I know our time is kind of short but um, I have this like overriding kind of question in my mind and and I'll just explain it this way You know, when I used to, uh, when I was a kid and I would fly on airplanes, I was a little nervous and and, uh, I I learned to do better on airplanes by going with, you know, when it would turn, when it would bank and begin to approach an airport or whatever. If you go with the turn, it's easier than if you try to resist it. Uh, it, It's a better feeling for sure. Uh, When you're you're on a, when I would be on a roller coaster and I'd come to that first big hill and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, (laughs) here we go. That Mm. in my mind, it was easier to say, all right, let's see if you can get, this thing going to like 200 miles an hour because if it only goes about 50 miles an hour that's not that big a deal and I would somehow psych myself into realizing, eh, it's not that big of a thing, we can get through this but what I'm getting at here is that as we approach you know, all these big questions about how is the world going to look different and where are we headed and is this the beginning of the end times, I'm getting people asking some of those questions on the program I, I think that as believers we need to say, Lord, we realize that it, it's your plan and purpose that will be fulfilled on this planet and we get to be instruments of righteousness in the process and, and help lead people towards the kingdom. But like our role is not to try to stop this thing. You set this into motion. And if you, know, you could picture like somebody spinning a, a top or a dreidel, God put the human experience into motion. We rebelled against God. He came to redeem us. But there's going to be a conclusion to this. And one day a new heaven and a new earth, and we're going to get to see Jesus. And is our heart saying, Lord, thank you, that we're watching the truth of your word being fulfilled, or are we going to try to resist all this stuff and in fear say, I don't want to give up my rights, I don't want to give up my comfort zone, I like the world the way it is right now, thank you very much. There, there couldn't be anything more selfish about that. So I think it kind of all plays together, and I, I just ultimately believe God's calling us to a place of maturity that's other people focused. It's about turning from sin and selfishness and saying yes to the King of Kings. Lord, how do you want to use me? What do you want to do through me? Let's get going, because this is exactly what you said we were here for. Uh, yeah, that's, that's
1: my two cents. You know, uh, Roger, uh, to, to what Neil is saying here, it does seem like, and I know this sounds kind of harsh, but there is kind of a sifting taking place in the body of Christ right now, and maybe a little bit of wheat from chaff separate, separating, and people having to determine, will I grow in the Lord during this time or not?
3: Yeah, you know, I I believe that when you look at, uh, you know, the the wheat and the tares and the wheat and the chaff and and everything, and, and, you know, Scripture's clear that those are going to be, you know, ultimately, you know, separated uh, at the harvest, but I think we're starting to see some of the signs of that right now, Um, and, and it. You know, praise God. I think God in his mercy is showing us who are, you know, part of the remnant, the, the the true measure of our faith. You know, this is a refined by fire type of measure. And my hope and prayer is for the people who have professed faith in Christ, who are looking at this and saying, wait a minute, I'm losing my creature comforts. I'm losing all those quote-unquote things that I thought made me a Christian, that the Holy Spirit's nudging him, saying, wait, what are you holding on to? Are you holding mm-hmm. on to that or are you holding on to me? Are you walking my path or, at Bob, as you perfectly noted ahead are we taking jesus along for the ride i i know too many times i still remember my oldest daughter emily when she, she's 32 now but when she was about 12 so it must have been 20 years ago she went to a, uh, a junior high camp one of those you know weekend friday night saturday and sunday things and for those those of us here in the people's republic of california if you go up to the mountains and you're in a cabin for a weekend then you're really roughing it you know and mm-hmm. um, it, of course it's funny now she loves to camp but um, I remember her coming home and, and I asked her, you know, what was it like, you know, being camp. And she said, Dad, I just, I, I was really convicted. I've got to get more God into my life. And I thought, well, how do you get more God into your life? You know, what what, does that mean? And I thought, I, I could see that what they were teaching was you have to do these things. And, you know, you've only got a little bit of Jesus with you, but you need a lot of bit of Jesus. It's like, look, at the, at the cross, in that great uh, imputation of, you know, sin and righteousness, we get all of him. We get all of the kingdom of heaven. We get everything. Uh, to, to, to Neil's point about the fact that we are now therefore Christ's ambassadors as if God were making his appeal through us. We get the whole mm-hmm. ball and and, and and we have that. And so how many people are kind of walking around holding on to just a little bit of it and saying, I'll take Jesus here, but I'm not going to put him over here. And I'm going to take Jesus there, but I'm not going to bring him over here. Instead of saying, look, everything you do, everything you say, everything that we in our prayer of confession in the Lutheran Church—things that we do, things that we left undone, things that we say, things that we that remain unspoken—those are the sins that we confess corporately, you know, in our worship services, and and that's a, a huge part. So the sifting part, uh, I think, is it's it's healthy, and it's it might feel a little strange for some folks who aren't used to being refined. Uh, those of us who've been through a lot we're used to getting beat up spiritually not beat up in the sense that god's picking on us like you know like a job type of situation but we're used to you know having the workout coming away a little bit sore and realizing we're going to be better off as a result but this it's a, it's a good time I, it really honestly is And my prayer first and foremost is for the people you know who have actually haven't heard the gospel before but secondly when i see the number of atheists who you know in, in opinion polls now are saying i'm praying for an end of the coronavirus i, I don't care what they're praying for i mean a so much as a fact that they're saying hey i'm an atheist but i'm praying it's like well then are you really an atheist you know that that work as a point of reality a day of reckoning is coming
1: well you know it's uh it's so true and as we kind of come to the end of this uh crawford roundtable podcast uh john if we could john rush out of denver uh, would you mind john maybe just kind of closing us out in prayer this is national day of prayer week sure and we think it's kind of appropriate to maybe cap off at least this week's podcast uh, with a prayer uh, john if you wouldn't mind sure. uh Love to. praying for us all
4: sure lord and uh, as we do just come to you in in this time, and a lot of folks out there, Lord, uh, they need you. We all do, actually. We all need you, myself included. But there really are people out there searching. They don't know what tomorrow holds, and we just ask you to to comfort them. Send your Holy Spirit to be upon them, especially those that know you. But in, for those that don't know you, uh, for them to know you in a real way and to seek out yes. someone that can share. You know, the gospel and share your message with them. And I just pray that we that have that message would not only share it, but be the light and the witness and the testimony and do the things that we need to, to really show your love, your love for all of us on planet Earth, Lord, because you do. You love us. And as Bob said earlier, you created us to love you, to worship you. And Lord, that's really what this is all about. Let us not get caught up in all of the other things that go on in life, but let us really focus on you the love that we have for you, uh, just the honor that we have for you, and we just bring this to you right now, Lord. Again, comfort those that need it. Uh, be be steadfast for those that also need it. Give us strength in those of us that are leaders, Lord, myself, Bob, Neil, and Roger. Give us the strength, the stamina, and the wisdom to carry forward in these days ahead, and we just ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. you, John. Uh, Thank you. Folks, We we always appreciate... You listening to us. And don't forget that you can listen on Apple Podcast, Stitcher. Tune in. You can go to Crawford.live. Uh, And John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver. Roger Marsh, The Bottom Line, out of Southern California. Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. Myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit. Gentlemen, always great catching up with you every week, and especially this week when we get to remind each other and all of our listeners as well that no matter what happens, no matter what happens in life, no matter how bad coronavirus gets or any other disaster, nothing changes the fact that Jesus Christ is still Lord and God is still in control control of all things and our lives belong to him. And if we can remember that, if we can remember that, then it seems to me that I'll give us a sense of peace and comfort. So guys, always great catching up with you. Thanks so much. Likewise. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, Bob. You bet. Take care. God bless everybody.
0: This has been the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Download and subscribe to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Apple users can rate the podcast, and we'd appreciate your five-star rating. National Crawford Roundtable Podcast returns with a new discussion each week. Be sure to watch for the notification on your podcast app. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting Company production.